On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla's 2023 is off to a huge start as the company ranks number one in U.S. luxury car sales for January. Plus, the first V4 supercharger is now online. Tesla's latest autopilot safety report is in. A longtime Tesla analyst is bearish on the Cybertruck's production ceiling and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey here with you alongside Daisy the Boxer to my left, chilling, looking out the window, and behind me to my right, lying on the dog bed, Zelina, the future service dog. Both calm and quiet for now. That was not the case when I recorded this week's lightning round bonus episode for Patreon. Uh, my patrons know what I'm talking about on that. Anyway, it is episode 398 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for March 19th, 2023. And I will start here with a couple of quick hits. First up, Model S and X buyers. I meant to say this one last week, totally slipped my mind. Model S and X buyers who currently have orders placed for a multi-coat red SRX are getting upgraded for free to ultra red which I think is pretty cool. I mean, I, I can't really imagine anyone's going to be too upset about that, even though it is technically a different color, and color is subjective, paint color on a car, and you won't necessarily like ultra red better, but in theory, it is a better finish. It is a better quality paint job. It is still multi-coat. We'll have to see, I guess, when, uh, when people start taking deliveries. I mean, some deliveries have already started, but those of you who may be, may be waiting, uh, in fact, if any of you out there are in this boat who just had an order in for a red SRX and got switched over to ultra red, I would love it if you would email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, or feel free to call in when you get your car, because I would love to hear your opinion on ultra red. Do you like it more than multi-coat red? Do you like it less? What are your thoughts? Etc. So those folks are getting switched over to ultra red, but at least they are getting a $1,000 discount on that. They're paying $2,000 for it, which was the price of multi-coat red instead of the $3,000 price for new orders on ultra red. And speaking of the S and the X, the $700 round steering wheel retrofit is now available for those owners who are interested. That $700 does include installation, but it does not include sales tax, which of course varies depending on where you live. The horn is still a button on the wheel though. You cannot press the center of the wheel for a horn, which seems like the number one complaint that I've heard from S and X owners over, over the lack of stalks. For those of you that don't like that, for those of you that don't like the yoke itself, the shape of the yoke, the horn situation seems to be the most common complaint, and sadly, this steering wheel retrofit does not address that. Now, again, Elon tweeted last, was it, I think, a, over a year ago now, I believe it was November of 2021, not 2022, saying that, oh, all the hardware's there, we just need a firmware update, and we'll enable the center of the, the wheel or yoke to be the horn, and still nothing on that yet. So... 
If that firmware update does come along, presumably those of you who uh, take advantage of this round wheel retrofit will be able to have a the horn in the center of the of that steering wheel as well. Next up this week, as a quick hit to get things started, more good news. The first V4 supercharger is open. It's in Harderwick in the Netherlands. My apologies if I've mispronounced that city name, that town name. Tesla went ahead and announced the opening on their Twitter, but a day or two prior to that, Twitter user Fritz Van Enns posted photos of the stalls being set up saying, quote, V4 Tesla superchargers are currently revealed and tested in Harderwick. All 16 stalls are completed. It's opening in March, according to a Tesla official I spoke to. Super excited. And then merely a day or two later, they did indeed open. Now, these V4 stalls have a new look. Their, their bodies are all white. There's no hole in the middle. It's a, it's a full cabinet. And in fact, they, the, the thing I would compare them closest to is the 72 kilowatt urban superchargers, which you may have seen around. They, they look like larger versions of those, really. And perhaps more notably, they have longer cables, perhaps with the Cybertruck in mind, depending on where the charge port on that ends up being located. Now, it's going to have to be towards the very back of the truck, just in the sense of there are so many V2 and V3 superchargers and the Cybertruck's going to have to be compatible with those. I mean, yes, technically there could be an extension that they give to every Cybertruck owner. I doubt Tesla will do that. I'm sure instead the final placement of the charge port on the Cybertrucks is going to be in a place where it can, the cable can reach no matter what version supercharger that you're plugging into. But more likely it's to better this longer cable is to accommodate non-Tesla EVs. And the other piece of this too, the stalls are now positioned in the middle of the back of the parking spot rather than at the edge of it. So they're right in the center and a longer cable to better reach any car. Some EVs will need to back in, some will pull in forward. And hopefully this is gonna be something that, that makes its way around very quickly. In fact, my hope would be that there will be no more V3 stations installed at all, no more V3 stalls, and that it's going to be all V4 from here on out, but that remains to be seen. We'll see. I also can't wait to see what the charge rates, what, what charge rates that the V4s are going to be capable of. I mean, I know we've been promised one megawatt charging for the Cybertruck, and we might not find out uh, what you know real-world charging looks like until the Cybertruck comes out. For the time being, the presumably the SX3 and Y are all capped out at 250 kilowatts. Another quick hit before we get started with the rest of this week's news proper, Elon tweeted on Tuesday of this past week that version 11 of the FSD beta will start going wide this weekend. In other words, the weekend that you're hearing this podcast. So, it is possible that you might have it by the time you hear this, but if you don't, it should be very soon. Uh, I, again, remain super eager to try this out. I mean, this is, no, no question, the most significant new release of the FSD beta in quite some time. And the early word from the external testers who are posting on Twitter, posting on YouTube, 
is that it seems to be a pretty good version, a step forward here. So I eagerly anticipate its arrival. Hopefully by the time next week's podcast rolls around, I'll be able to comment on my experience with it. Hopefully I'll have it. Next, the latest unexpected product offering on the online Tesla shop is a Tesla T-Logo branding iron. Yes, you heard me correctly, a branding iron. It is $70, and the product description reads as follows. Mark any occasion with the Tesla branding iron. Inspired by the Tesla Cyber Rodeo event, this branding iron features a hand-finished food-grade stainless steel head with a custom-milled hardwood handle. Ideal for stamping the signature T logo onto food items like burger patties and buns or natural materials like wood and leather goods. Heat and stamp with caution. It went up on the Tesla store on the online shop, shop.tesla.com, on Tuesday of this past week and sold out in, as you guessed it, just a few hours. I did consider it. I saw it pop up, but I had to be honest with myself that between the cyber whistle and the sipping glasses, I've got enough random Tesla stuff in my house that I'm not currently using. Some of it I am using, but there's some of it I'm just not. And I'm like, you know what? 70, I'm going to keep that 70 bucks in my pocket this time. Thank you very much. Now, on that note, I hope all of you who are backing me at the $10 a month tier or higher on my Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round bonus mini episode, which was about the five fun products that I'd love to see Tesla add to that online shop. I thought of actual products. I didn't get goofy. These are five things that I genuinely would love to see on the online Tesla shop. We've seen so many things in the past from a surfboard to this branding iron. I gave five inspired by the branding iron this week. So you can check that out on Patreon. If you're not already backing me on Patreon, I would humbly appreciate if you would, you would consider a pledge. I do put a lot of hard work into this podcast, a lot of time, a lot of research, and certainly I'm here every single week for you. You can, you can look it up. I'm always here and hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. If you would like to support it, it is voluntary. It's always going to be here whether you back me on Patreon or not. But if, uh, if you do see fit to do that, you can go to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And a reminder that the annual pledge is if you want to commit for the 12 month pledge, you get a 10% discount on that versus the month to month pledge. Five bucks a month is where the pledging tiers begin. And that five bucks a month will get you early access to each week's podcast. Plus, you'll be supporting me, which I would humbly appreciate. If you go to that $10 a month tier, that's where you get the early access and that weekly bonus mini episode that I call the lightning round. All right, time for the rest of this week's news, the proper news section of the podcast here. First up this week, the headline story that I titled the podcast with Tesla leads U.S. luxury car sales yet again per the January 2023 figures. I saw this story on InsideEVs.com who writes, according to Experian data from January 2023, this comes via Automotive News, 
The electric car maker racked up nearly 50,000 new registrations in the United States, which is a massive lead over second place BMW with around 31,000 registrations for them. And Mercedes took third with just over 23,000, edging out fourth place Lexus, who also racked up just over 23,000 new registrations in the month of January. Now, as Inside EVs provides here a bit of context, they write, based on the numbers, Tesla's sales were up 34% year over year as compared to January of 2022. Meanwhile, BMW was up just 2.5%. Mercedes increased its sales year over year by 7.3%. And Lexus saw a 6.6% drop. Experience data also shows that the overall EV market increased by, get this, 74% in January of 2023, up to 87,708 registrations in total. Since nearly 50,000 of the EVs sold were produced by Tesla, this shows that nearly 39,000 non-Tesla EVs entered the market during the same month. And of those 50,000 Teslas registered in January, nearly 29,000 were Model Ys, which marks a 56% increase year over year. Model 3 registrations were up 29% to 17,526 units sold during the same time period. Thank you to Inside EVs. Hey, remember, I just want to take you a little, little trip back in the Wayback Machine here. Remember back when the rest of the car industry just kept moving the goalposts on Tesla? And one of those moving goalposts, one of the positions that those goalposts found themselves in was after the Model 3 went into production. And the goalpost there, according to those legacy automakers, was, well, they'll never be able to scale up production and sell them in high volume. Remember that? About five short years ago. Well, uh, as Giga Texas continues to ramp, even more Model Ys are going to be sold in the U.S. market. So this lead, which, as you already heard, is fairly substantial in the luxury category, particularly as those next three were all bunched up, that lead is only likely to widen for Tesla, especially when all of their cars have a, or at least, actually, I shouldn't say that, the, the S and the X don't, the three and the Y. The three and the Y have the $7,500 federal tax credit for certain buyers who qualify, and of those luxury competitors that I just mentioned, not all of their cars in that luxury space do because some of those cars are internal combustion engine vehicles. But because even as those luxury competitors start to build and sell more EVs, they're still probably going to have a little bit of trouble, ironically enough, scaling up production as they once criticized Tesla for seemingly being unable to do. Because guess what? Those other automakers don't have battery factories yet. but until, So until the time comes when they do, and hey, again, we're all rooting for it. We want to see EVs from everybody in high volume. Until that time, it is advantage Tesla, not just because of their ability to manufacture at high volume, but also because luxury buyers, people in this segment are increasingly desiring EVs, which is going to naturally push them towards Tesla. I mean, granted, 
the, the whole market, the entire car market is increasingly wanting EVs, but especially that luxury segment. So congratulations, Tesla. And as the, the song that popped into my head here, as the Drake song goes, started from the bottom, now we're here. Next up this week, Tesla's latest autopilot safety report is in. Now, as always, it's best to compare year over year on these rather than quarter over quarter to account for seasonality, right? Especially in Q4 when you've got winter, you've got icy conditions in many areas that contribute naturally, sadly, to more accidents. And you can see that if you look quarter over quarter. Q4 of this past year, 2022, was one accident for every 4.85 million miles driven on autopilot. And if you just back up one quarter to Q3 of 2022, it was one accident on autopilot for every 6.26 million miles driven. So yeah, huge difference. And it's not the cars, it's the weather. So for the apples to apples comparison, one accident per 4.85 million miles on autopilot in Q4 of 2022. In Q4 of 2021, it was one per 4.35 million miles. So again, you can see the improvement there. I always like to note for context with these as well, that the fleet is growing by a lot from one Q4 to the next. That's you know, obviously an entire year goes by. So this is now a larger sample size versus Q4 of 2021. And you would think, well, in a larger sample size, you, you might ordinarily expect the numbers to get a little worse, potentially not better, but there you go. Now, the rest of the Q4 2022 data from Tesla's blog, they write, for drivers who were not using autopilot technology, we recorded one crash for every 1.40 million miles driven. By comparison, the most recent data available from NHTSA and FHWA from 2021 shows that in the United States, there was an automobile crash approximately every 652,000 miles. So 1.4 million versus 652,000. And to stack that next to Q4 of 2021, for drivers who are not using autopilot technology, we recorded one crash for every 1.52 million miles driven. By comparison, NHTSA and FHWA data from 2021 shows that in the US, there was an automobile crash approximately, again, same thing, every 652,000 miles. So the general data baseline stayed the same. And the crash rate on Tesla's not using autopilot got a bit worse year over year. Backing up my point a moment ago about how you might expect an increase in these numbers as the fleet grows by so much each year. Now, a couple final points on this. Number one, I can't wait to see once FSD beta gets rolled into this. Now, I'm not sure when that'll be, but number two, even outside of that, at some point, possibly this year, I'm not sure, the entire fleet is going to get switched over to the FSD stack even for highway driving, as version 11.3 of the FSD beta is out there now, and the rest of us update, uh, or await, pardon me, seemingly version 11.4, as Elon had said it would be a point release higher last week. And eventually, the point is, 
every Tesla is eventually going to be running the newer stack. So those numbers will be interesting to compare to their corresponding quarters from previous years on the old highway autopilot stack. That will be a really, really fascinating apples to apples comparison to make. Next up this week, Morgan Stanley's veteran analyst, Adam Jonas, he's a longtime fixture on Tesla's quarterly earnings calls. Maybe his voice has even popped up on this podcast in one of the clips that I play from those uh, earnings calls. He's someone who has been at it for a long time. He's been on the Tesla beat for Morgan Stanley for many, many years. He is someone who I would generally describe as a Tesla bull. Now, some of you might disagree with that. I don't know. He hasn't always been totally bullish, but I think generally speaking, more often than not, he is. But in this case, he's not. And I wanted to talk about it. Mr. Jonas, well, he has cast, for at least for his investors and in trying to guide his investors, he has cast doubts on the long-term sales potential of the Cybertruck in a new note to his investors. He headlines that note, has Tesla outgrown the Cybertruck? Now, I should point out up front, he still has the stock rating as overweight with his price target of 220. And he says, a lot has changed since Franz von Holzhausen threw a metal ball at the, quote, armor glass window of the Cybertruck in November of 2019. The truck is real, and we had a great time with it last week behind the Austin plant. But financially, it may be more of a sideshow to the Tesla story today. And he goes on to make a few points. He says, point number one, Tesla is a very different company today than from what it was in November of 2019, and he talks about the share price and the gap profitability. He says, number two, the ultimate avant-garde vehicle. He says, the Cybertruck is an important element of Tesla's futurist brand image. One of the most interesting features of the truck is the lack of a Tesla emblem anywhere on its exterior. The truck itself is emblematic of the company and the risks it is willing to take to push the envelope and reinvent so many aspects of what it means to be an auto manufacturer. We feel the Cybertruck carries more value in a cultural slash zeitgeist sense than in a direct economic sense. At the same time, we encourage our readers to ask themselves, how many Cybertrucks can roll up to a parent-teacher conference or youth soccer match at the same time before losing some of that indescribable dot 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 something? He continues on page two. Uh, should they purposely restrict production as a limited edition? And he writes, it sure is more complicated than that and the company has given no specific indication of volume targets for the vehicle. Yes, they have. I talk about it on here. I asked about it at Battery Day. It's 250K a year. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> but at this stage, we are prepared for the product to potentially be offered in volumes no more than 100,000 units per year once ramped up. Our forecast for nearly 500,000 units of pickup truck volume for Tesla by 2030 includes more conventionally designed variants to hit larger parts of the core pickup truck market including commercial end-user applications, agriculture, building and construction, oil and gas, and other fleet-slash-vocational-slash-recreational uses. What do you think? 
Should Tesla limit Cybertruck lifetime series production to 420,699 units? Or do you think this product is really meant for far larger volume over its lifetime? Uh, next, he comments on the weight of the vehicle. Our test driver said the Cybertruck weighs around 7,000 pounds. Uh, final mass may be materially different, but we know that the curb weight of a 2023 Chevy Silverado 1500 is 4,400 to 5,620 pounds, while the Silverado 2500 HD weighs 6,100 to 7,000 pounds. Will the Cybertruck weigh as much as the 2023 Silverado 3500? While Tesla's been mum on pricing for some time, what? I would ask Mr. Jonas, what does the weight have anything to do with the sales potential of it? Anyway, that's a that's a random aside for me. I'm gonna get I'm gonna stay focused on the task at hand here. He says, we think it may prove difficult for Tesla to produce a low-end version of this vehicle for the starting price of 39900 it had initially targeted. Well, I don't disagree with him there. I don't think we will ever see a Cybertruck with a sticker price that low. And then number five, his final point, we believe Tesla has other products under development aimed at the $100 billion U.S. pickup truck total achievable market. Uh, in this current iteration, we do not believe the Cybertruck poses a significant threat to the established pickup truck market, although it could eat into the more enthusiast end of the market. Think Ford F-150 Raptor. Well, that's not all of it, but those are the highlights for you. And the first thing before I respond to this, I want to go back to something from the beginning of that. You may have glossed over it. He said, we had a great time with the Cybertruck last week behind the Austin plant. Now, does that mean that my prediction ahead of the Investor Day event was correct and that the big name institutional investor guys like Mr. Jonas did in fact get test rides in the beta Cybertrucks? Because the one on display that I told you about last week was roped off in the factory, not behind the factory. So this sounds like it was some kind of private viewing that likely extended a chance to, at the very least, sit in it and perhaps even ride in it. I say to Mr. Jonas and his ilk, you lucky devils. But anyway... I would bet a share of Tesla stock that Jonas is on this one very, very wrong about the long-term production volume of the Cybertruck being only 100,000 per year. Those are S and X numbers combined, admittedly, that's, but that's, that's a year of S and X combined is what he thinks the Cybertruck is going to do. Has he forgotten that the pickup trucks are the biggest selling vehicles in America. That's the number one vehicle segment in this country. The F-150, as I Googled it, moves by itself almost a million units per year. The Chevy Silverado is about half a million plus per year. The Dodge Ram's about the same. The Cybertruck selling one-fifth as many units per year as the Silverado or Ram, and nearly a tenth of the F-150 per year is, to me, yes, a self-admitted Tesla fanboy, I admit, but that is laughable to me. The market is simply too big for that. You may remember, since again, I just whispered it a moment ago, we covered this back at Battery Day. I got to ask Elon one question during the Q&A session. I got the mic passed to me and asked, what do you think the total 
full full ramp production volume per year is going to be on the Cybertruck. And he said 250,000. Now, if those plans change, and they certainly could, given that a lot has changed in general since September of 2020, when I asked that question at Battery Day, and specific to the Cybertruck, things have changed as well because Tesla's received a lot more reservations since then. But if things change, if the plans change, well, guess what? The change is going to be to increase total annual production of the Cybertruck, not cut it by 60% of the previous projection. Now, as for the Cybertruck, I got, I, I hope this didn't come off as, as too salty towards Adam Jonas. I, it's just in, in uh, somewhat humorous disagreement with him is all this is. I've never met him. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But his note about the Cybertruck perhaps losing that certain something when enough of them roll up to a parent-teacher conference, again, I honestly and sincerely just don't think that's going to happen. These trucks are so insanely unique, even as they will all be pretty darn close to identical as they leave the factory, uh, given that they'll all be stainless steel and no paint, that they're just they're not going to get tired amongst peacocking parents out there looking to keep up with the Joneses. And by the way, that's, I'm sure some people will buy it for that reason, but most people probably will be buying it because they love it for some reason or another. For me, I'm not looking to get one as a status symbol. I'm looking to get one because it's stainless steel and it's that I have a personal connection to it. And I know it's so much easier to care for. You don't have to baby it. It's going to stay beautiful forever. You can take scratches out with heavy-duty Scotch-Brite pads. You don't have to wax it. It's just, I miss that aspect of, you know, the, the I, I love my Model 3 and keeping it nice, and I take a lot of pride in that, but there is, and I know it's my own, it's, it's all me. I'm not blaming anyone else. I have my own, like, just mental OCD where I just need to keep my car as nice as possible, and I think it goes back to part of it's, just pride in the, this thing that I love, but part of it is that I paid so much darn money for it, more than anything I've ever bought in my life, uh, other than our house, that I just want it to look nice all the time. The Cybertruck, I can do that, but with a, with n basically none of the anxiety and, and mental anguish that I put myself through with that. So that's why I want one, is because the stainless steel is amazing and I know that from experience and it's going to last us the Cybertruck will last us 20 plus years in our family anyway getting way off track uh, I just think here if anything that parents that see other parents at school the kids school driving Cybertrucks well guess what's going to happen they're going to bond they're going to become friends and be like yeah you know how do you love yours what are you doing with it you have you know, it's it's just going to be it's going to be like a little club, which kind of Tesla ownership is already, but it's going to be kind of a club within a club, I think to a certain extent. And really also on a not that I wasn't serious just now, but on a more serious note, the utility of this truck, which by the way we don't even know the full extent of yet, is going to be very compelling. Tesla software, Tesla safety, plus 
ultimate toughness, thanks to that exo, uh, exoskeleton stainless steel, and the longevity that that stainless steel offers, plus a 500-mile range, plus Tesla's supercharging network. Again, Adam Jonas has been a pretty bullish guy about Tesla over the years, in my humble opinion. And I think Adam's got a steady head on his shoulders. I've listened to many, many of his questions on the earnings calls over the, over the quarters, over the years, and they're usually good ones. But I just respectfully think he is dead wrong on this one. So I decided to see what you guys think about this. You just heard what I think. So I put this up on Patreon as the poll question, the Patreon poll question for this week. What do you think Cybertruck's annual production will top out at? Lots of votes on this one. Thanks to everybody who participated. Again, with the Patreon poll each week, you do not need to be backing me on Patreon to vote. You can just go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast and vote on the poll each week. I try to put these polls up every Tuesday evening. And of the choices, I, I just broke it down into a bunch of numerical categories. Obviously, 46% of you, I'm, I'm actually, I'm honestly a little surprised by this, I, uh, but here we go. 46% of you voted 100,000 to 250,000 per year. So you may disagree, the, the, the plurality of you in this poll may disagree with Mr. Jonas, but perhaps not by too much. You're in that 100 to 250,000 per year group. The next uh, most populous voting category was 250,000 to 500,000 per year, which one third of poll respondents voted in. That's 33% of you. 8% said 500,000 to 750,000. 6% taking the low end, perhaps even more bearish than Mr. Jonas, 50,000 to 100,000. 5% said 750,000 to a million, and 2% saying it's going to go above 1 million per year. Now, I will be honest, if I were able to vote in my own poll, which I've actually tried, I can't. I can't vote in my own poll, but that's okay. It's probably for the best. That that means I'm not skewing the results right away when I post it up. Uh, I would have joined the 33% of you in the 250 to 500,000 group. That's where I think it's going to land, and we shall see. We're going to have to wait probably a good two years from now to see where it lands. You know, well, yeah, by early 2025, if... They're going to hit volume production in 2024 at some point. Yeah, so two years from now, we'll have a pretty good idea of where it's going to land. Two more stories for you this week. The first of those is this. The state of Maryland has committed to a ban on gasoline vehicle sales. Maryland's Governor Wes Moore posted this on Twitter. Quote, I announce action to ensure that all new passenger cars and trucks sold in the state of Maryland are zero emission by 2035. Car exhaust is the largest source of greenhouse gas in the state of Maryland. This new regulation puts us on a fast track to meet our climate goals, end quote. Teslarati added a bit more context here, flesh this out. They wrote, Maryland's Air Quality Control Advisory Council unanimously voted to approve a regulation that would see an implementation of California's vehicle emission standards, 
which have specific goals to have a certain percentage of new vehicle sales be emission-free. Maryland laws already exist that require the state to match California's vehicle emissions programs. Maryland aligned with the California Air Resource Board vehicle standards back in 2011 and is one of 17 states in the U.S. to adopt the same standards. Quote, This is a policy that was created in California, said Maryland House Minority Leader Jason Buckle in a statement to the Baltimore Sun, continuing, It is based on California's economy, California's transportation needs, and California's electrical grid. End quote. The proposal will require 43% of Maryland's new car sales to be zero emission by 2027, just four years from now. By the model year 2035, which I guess the IRL version of that is 2034, all new passenger vehicles sold in Maryland will need to be zero emission. The requirements allow plug-in hybrid vehicles to account for 20% of the requirements. So California's in. New York State is in. Uh, 15 other states, including Maryland, are in. Europe is in. The more states and countries that commit to this, the bigger the snowball is going to get as it rolls downhill. Because that is exactly what this is. It is a snowball gathering momentum and gathering size as it rolls downhill. And it only helps the transition to EVs snowball further by adding more pressure to legacy automakers to switch over to electric. So this news is all good and you love to see it. Now, finally this week on the subject of state specific news, you know, I'm realizing now I should have flipped these two stories. I should have ended on the happy note instead of now I'm going to end on a not so fun note after that uplifting Maryland story, but all right, that's, that's on me, my bad, I apologize, but here we go. We have a follow-up on the Mississippi state law that I talked about last week that would require franchise dealerships, no direct sales to consumers from car manufacturers. Well, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves has indeed signed that bill. He tweeted after doing so saying, quote, Today I signed HB 401 to restore Mississippi's auto dealer franchise law back to how it had been interpreted for the last 50 years. Almost 200 small businesses and communities across our state are seeking assurances that big manufacturers can't just destroy their businesses. That's fair. I also recognize that innovation in this industry is inevitable. And with innovation comes new companies with new business models. I am committed to finding long-term solutions in an ever-changing market. I look forward to working with all parties going forward to do just that. Well, I uh, certainly do my best to avoid politics on this podcast because you probably get enough of that in your day-to-day life, in your news feeds, your timelines, your your whatever. I'll just leave it at that. Whatever you want to make of the governor's statement there, there, I'll leave it to you. That was what he said after signing this thing into law. Uh, All right, that'll do it for this week's Tesla news, but I've got some great phone calls lined up from all of you guys in the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. 
It's time to hear from all of you. It's time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, where you can call in and be a part of the podcast. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, give me a call. There are two easy ways to do it. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less call and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That number can be dialed anytime, 24-7. It is reached via the toll-free 1-888-989-TSLA. That's 1-888-989-8752. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Kicking it off with Jeff from Rhode Island. Hey, Brian. Jeff from Rhode Island here. You did a great job the other week uh, recapping the locations and placement of all the uh, new cameras um, on Hardware 4 and how that's all going to be broken down. You mentioned the possible uh, or an optional camera that we couldn't really, you couldn't really uh, place out or figure out where where it was. Um, any thoughts that that might be uh, an optional camera for any vehicles that have a tow pitch? So Cybertruck, uh, Y, X, you know, has that option to add that tow pitch. Um, is it maybe something that can be attached into the wiring uh, if you have a, an additional backup camera on a trailer, RV, whatever it might be? Uh, I don't know. Just thoughts. Let me know. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Take care. Jeff, thank you very much for the call and for the kind words. I do appreciate that. And I think you are probably right on the money with this, honestly. Your call just makes a ton of practical and logical sense. And I suspect that is exactly what that optional port is for. Thank you so much for calling. And I've got no notes, nothing to add to that one. Appreciate it. I think you're really on to something there. Next up is Brian from Kentucky responding to uh, five episodes back, 393, Consumer Reports' rating of the ADAS systems, the advanced uh, active driver assistance systems around the industry. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Ryan. This is Brian from Union, Kentucky. Hope you can hear me all right, calling you from my Tesla on the road here. But catching up while I'm driving on some past episodes, and recently listened to the Palindrome episode and wanted to comment on one of your stories about the Consumer Reports ratings of ADAS systems. I was also a little surprised that Tesla Autopilot ranked seventh, and I happened to listen to another automotive podcast where they interviewed Consumer Reports and went into much more detail. So there was really three reasons that the Autopilot system ranked uh, so low. One was lack of updates. They noted that past three or four years, there's really been little to no updates to the autopilot system. Um, and then the second reason, which is probably the biggest negative uh, score, was lack of collaborative input, which I kind of have my own opinions on. But basically, they're saying that when you're in autopilot, and this is true, you can't adjust the steering without, um, you know, basically getting out of the system. So they're 
they're saying that these level two ADAS systems should allow you to adjust steering to avoid a pothole or a car, um, you know, coming into your lane. But uh, basically, if you do that in autopilot, it just disengages the system entirely. That was probably the biggest negative marks it got. And then the third reason, which also was was pretty major, was the driver monitoring system. They really don't like uh, specifically torque sensors and steering wheels. Um, they just thought that the autopilot system was, uh, you know, subpar in that in, in that situation. So those are the reasons, and just wanted to share that with you and your listeners. Sorry for the super long call, and hopefully it's not too noisy, but really appreciate what you do for the community, and uh, keep it up. Thanks. Brian, thank you very much for sharing that. I mean, I gotta be honest with you, I haven't tried the top six ADAS systems, so I'm certainly not gonna sit here and say that they're wrong, because I don't know. But the lack of updates seems suspect. There have been plenty of iterative incremental updates, but admittedly no major ones outside of the FSD beta, which is of course still a beta. I will go ahead and agree with them on the third point, though, about the driver monitoring system. I know there are other cars out there that have capacitive touch systems in their steering wheels so that you just have to keep your hand on the wheel to tell the system that you're in control. You don't have to put torque on the wheel. It would be awesome if Tesla had a touch-based system rather than a torque-based one. Again, I appreciate your call, Brian. Thank you so much. Next is David from Phoenix. Hi, Ryan. It's uh, David here from Phoenix, Arizona. I want to thank you for your ongoing coverage of Tesla. Um, and I just had a question about the latest generation cars that are going to be made in Mexico. I, I know you're hot on um, stainless steel, but having every car on the road, especially in these developing nations, be the same quote-unquote color might be a problem. So I was thinking, what do you think about plastic as the body? It would reduce the weight. Uh, it might look cheap, but that's okay for a cheap car. Or powder coating, which I know has some extra thickness involved, but it's incredibly uniform on the application process. It only requires one uh, application, unlike painting, which typically requires several. And it's very durable. So, um, you know, just looking at these other ways to color a car um, I was just wondering what you and your listeners thought about that. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hey, David. I like your inquisitive line of thinking here. I totally agree that the sheer volume of cars might make the you-can-have-it-in-any-color-as-long-as-it's-stainless-steel option a bit tougher to stomach. I wonder if factory wraps, or, I mean, if Tesla could find a way to do it quickly at least, could be one way to mix up the look of the cars. Or maybe the tinted clear uh, clear coat, pardon me, that DuPont had cooked up with DeLorean in the early 80s that I mentioned to Franz in my last interview with him. Maybe that's an option if that, if that technology is still out there and still viable and maybe it's improved over the last 40 years. But your plastic suggestion could end up being an even better and smarter way to do it. We know that Tesla is going to make the safest cars possible. That's always job number one. And they've walked the walk on that over the years. So if plastic body panels can be done without compromising safety, that certainly could be one way to go. 
assuming that can be done with minimal environmental impact. I think that's the other piece of it that Tesla would take into consideration. Either way, I can't wait to see what the answer ends up being. And as we heard on last week's podcast, we might not have to wait super long to find out. Next up, here's Bill in Switzerland. Hey, Ryan, this is Bill from Switzerland. I wanted to give you a quick feedback on the new Model S. As you know, Tesla delivered the first Plaid to Europe at the end of December, and a few days ago, I had the chance to test drive a Model S Plaid for half a day. And what a car it is. Inside, the fit and finish have massively improved, and I also love the super sharp big screen. And those Plaid motors, boy oh boy, they are out of this world. It's just incredible the amount of power they deliver at any given speed. There is one thing, though, I really didn't like, uh, and these are the blinker buttons. As opposed to California or, or Texas, for that matter, we here in Europe have tons of roundabouts, with a lot of them being pretty small, meaning that you have to turn the wheel or yoke quite a bit. Now you are supposed to set the blinker when you exit the roundabout. If you take the first exit, no problem. If you take the second exit, you turn the steering wheel uh, by around 90 degrees to the left and so the blinker buttons are at the bottom, making it quite a bit harder to use them. But it gets almost impossible to use them if you take the third exit in a roundabout, when you have to turn the wheel by 180 degrees from its original position. So the buttons, which are normally on the left of the wheel, are suddenly on the right side and also they are now upside down. Uh, I basically agree that the best part is no part, but in this case the user experience just got much, much worse. And it's, I think it's also bad for the safety, as I bet lots of plant drivers are simply skipping the blinking part in such a situation. Now I know there are Tesla folks uh, listening to your podcast, so it would be great if they could raise this point internally and bring back the good old blinker stock. Yeah, so much for my ranting. Thanks for the good job, Brian. Keep it up. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bill, thank you for your call. As the new S and X arrive in Europe, you bring up a very valid concern. Roundabouts. You have to signal appropriately as you make your way through them. As you noted, it's a safety issue. And the buttons do make that a bit tough. I can see that. I don't know what the solution is aside from putting stalks back on the car, which I certainly don't think Tesla's gonna do at this point. I'm not saying I agree or disagree with it, I just don't think they're gonna go back. One thought that I had, and maybe this is silly, would be to have the left and right turn signal buttons, uh, or even the triggers on the top left and top right parts of the yoke, you know what I'm saying by triggers, like up where your thumbs would go if you rested your thumbs, to be, you could just, pull triggers basically when you needed those turn signals without taking your hands off the yoke. Again, maybe it's just my video game brain running wild here, but that's the one idea I had that perhaps could help with this. I don't know. Let me know if you think I'm crazy. I probably am. I've got time for one more call this week. It's from Chris in Chicago, who was chiming in from a caller on several episodes ago, caller DJ, who was trying to decide whether or not to upgrade MCU 1 in his S to MCU 2. So go ahead, Chris. Hey, Ryan. Chris from Chicago again. Just putting my two cents in in regards to DJ's uh, situation from last week. Whether he should upgrade his MCU to an MCU 2 in his older Model S. I actually had the same scenario a couple years ago. Uh, I was fortunate that my MCU 1 
uh, went out right uh, right when they were rolling out the MCU 2 upgrade. So of course they gave me both options. Oh, MCU 1 or MCU 2. Of course, well, we're going to upgrade it. We have to. And I'll, I'll say that, DJ, if you're on the fence about it, do it. Um, it's like getting a brand new phone. Everything, the screen is tenfold. I'm sorry, order of magnitude. We'll throw that in there. Uh, faster than the MCU 1. And not to mention, opens up all of the apps, the streaming services, you know, everything that you, you know, that you hear about in newer updates, now you'll be on that bandwagon. Um, the only thing I'll say that uh, was kind of a bummer was they removed the, the antennas, the radio antennas, the AM and the FM, which for everybody, not really a big deal. I listen to the occasional AM, so not the end of the world, definitely worth the upgrade if you're even thinking about it. Uh, my opinion is do it. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Chris, thank you for sharing your personal experience on this. You make a great point that I had forgotten about, that you get access to lots of the apps that have been added to the car in recent years that MCU One cars don't get. And I appreciate you mentioning the AM and FM radio caveat too. That is important to know when you're making the decision of whether or not to upgrade this. But hopefully that helps DJ and any others who may be considering that upgrade as well. Thanks to all of you who kindly took the time to call in. Keep those calls coming. I will get to more phone calls next week. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of the segment, so refer back to that or to the episode description. I always put them there every week as well. But for now, stick around. I'll be right back with a little bit more Ride the Lightning, including your pro tip of the week. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, unfortunately, there is a lot going on with my car this week that I can tell you about here. Uh, I am now suffering from, if if I've Googled correctly, seems like all the symptoms are there, the uh, fairly common on the Model 3 upper control arm issue. The front suspension of my car has started creaking, groaning, moaning, and squeaking on every bump and undulation as if it were haunted up there. (laughs) So uh, I guess I will be putting my Accelerate Auto extended warranty policy to use for the very first time. So I will let you know how that experience goes. And then today I was supposed to have my new tires put on that I ordered a couple weeks ago while there was a little bit of a sale at America's Tire on on Michelin tires. But earlier this week, things started to fall apart. On Tuesday morning, I'm just going through my email and I get an email that's, your order has been canceled. I look at the details. Well, why? It's because apparently I didn't pick the tires up within like X number of business days, which to me, that's that's a system flaw on their side. Why? Because I, I scheduled the appointment at the same time I bought the tires. It should not have allowed me to schedule the appointment farther out than they were willing to hold my product for, hold my tires for. So... That stunk, and then, okay, well, I got to try and fix this now. So I tried, when I say that I tried calling all morning to the store, I'm not really exaggerating. Like, I just, I would call, and it would just try and ring through and try and ring through. Like, it, it, you know, dial into a phone tree thing, and then 
you just wait for someone to pick up and it would just eventually disconnect because it'd be like, we're too busy, sorry. And then it would just hang up. And I just tried all morning, couldn't get through. So I said, fine, I've got a little window in my, in my meeting schedule here. I'm just going to drive over there and talk to somebody face to face about this. So I go in and do that, explain the situation to the guy behind the counter. He was super nice, super helpful, put everything. I just said, Hey, listen, I know I want to be able to come in at the same appointment that I had because I suspect that appointment got canceled when my order got canceled. And he even fact said, yeah, somebody else has that appointment, but we'll, we'll get you in at that same time. So he was super cool about that. And the, the other thing was, I said, well, I, the reason I had bought online rather than just coming in the store and doing it is because of the, this $110 off Michelin tire discount. And he, so he, he wrote up some notes in my file and handed me a printout of the invoice that, that had the total breakdown of here's the price you will pay, which is exactly the same price as it was when you originally ordered on the website. So all good. The guy helped me out. I mean, it, it stunk that I had to take time out of my day to go down there because I just physically couldn't get through on the phone, but at least I got it sorted out. And, uh, and actually the one other thing I should say, so he said, so since I didn't pick up the tires, obviously they just like used them instead of holding them for me. So I said to the guy, so we got to make sure you're going to have the tires, right? And, and he said, well, we've got two in stock right now. We should have the rest by Friday. Okay. So I come in today, Friday, earlier today. uh, I had an 11 a.m. appointment. I show up exactly on time, go up, check in. They say, oh, okay, cool. We'll take your, your key card for your car. Uh, We'll note the mileage here and it'll be about an hour. So I had brought my laptop to do some work. I go over and sit down in the in the you know customer waiting area there, and 45 minutes goes by when they say uh, Ryan Ryan McCaffrey. I say, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. It turns out we don't have your tires in stock. It's it showed we did in the system, but we physically can't find them. And it's like hey, I've I've worked in my retail days in college. I know that can happen. What you physically have on hand does not always match up to what's in the computer. So again, it's, and the guy was super nice. He, you know, he, he said, well, there's a, we can get you the all seasons today rather than the, the summer tires that I, that are, you know, the OEM tires that, that I do want to stick with. So I said, no, thanks. That's okay. I'll wait. I'll go ahead and wait for the, for the, the tire that I ordered. And he said, all right, well, there's a bit of a wait on those tires. We'll have it next Saturday. Well, okay, well, I'm out of town that weekend. I'm going down to visit my parents in Arizona. Uh, And so, okay. So then I set it for a little after that. And he said, we'll call you when the tires come in. Great. And that's that's where we left off. So uh, a little annoying in the sense that I've actually I've made now two trips down there without anything to show for it, really without any tires, certainly. But. Again, I actually the, the people were super helpful. The the in real life human beings in the store were great. It was the discount tire basically online system. Their 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 back end system failed me. So which I'd always had really good experiences with them. This is the the first not super great experience, but hopefully I'll get my tires at the next actual appointment time. And, uh, and I don't, you know, they're not like super gotta have them right now urgent. So it's not, not the worst thing. And I did get some work done while I was just sitting there waiting. So, 
not a huge deal. I'm not too upset about it. Just mildly annoyed, I guess, is, is all I can say. First world problem, right? What are you going to do? I'll be back. Uh, I'll be, I did already pay so that I've paid the discounted price. So that's all locked in. But anyway, so those are the two things. And then on the service side with my Tesla, the, the front control arms, the upper control arms, I should say, that one, I have to wait a little bit for an appointment as well. Cause the first available appointment they had didn't work with my schedule. I've got this conference in town, the game developers conference next week. So my schedule's pretty booked up. Anyway, I guess you don't care about any of that stuff, but there's there's plenty going on with uh, with my car, which I have named the Spirit of Adventure. If you have if you're a newer listener, you know you can if you weren't aware, you can name your car in the in the on the dashboard on the screen. You can give it a name, and the name I gave mine the day I took delivery was the Spirit of Adventure because I love the movie Up, the Pixar film Up, and uh, and I think it's a very excellent name for my Model 3, which I, I want to have. I want to myself have a spirit of adventure with it. All right, anyway, time for your pro tip of the week. It comes from Robert in Florida. Hi, Ryan. It's Robert in Florida, a longtime listener and FSD beta tester with a 2018 Model 3 long range. I save a lot of short video clips with the car's dash cam for later review of edge case situations or other unusual events. I've discovered a quick and easy way of doing that. Instead of searching for the dash cam controls, just press the right cog wheel on the steering wheel and say, save that. I hope listeners will find that helpful for saving video clips using the dash cam. I never even thought to try that one, Robert. That is an excellent shortcut, especially now that there's not a dedicated spot on the screen to hit it with. It's buried in the menu. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast that can hopefully be of use to you. I will start with abstractocean.com, purveyors of so many fine, dozens upon dozens of excellent aftermarket Tesla accessories. Go to abstractocean.com, select which Tesla you have to sort by all of the products that are available for your car. Check them all out, whatever you like, throw it in your online shopping cart. And then when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. That's a very generous thing. Thank you so much to abstractocean.com for offering that to my audience. And again, that coupon code RTL podcast, no spaces, just all one word, RTL podcast. Get yourself that 15% off. Next up, the snap plate, which you can get for all four current Tesla vehicles at everyamp.com slash RTL. This is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds. It's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, and autopilot safe. It's a nice, clean, minimalist design that blends really nicely with the Tesla front end when it's installed and leaves no unsightly hardware behind when you remove it, which maybe you want to take it off for car shows, for cars and coffee, for when you're detailing the car. You want to put it back on for if you're going to be on a toll road or going through a a a, over a bridge toll or something like that, or or if you're going to just be parked at a parking meter. You might want to get that uh, front plate on there as well so you don't get a ticket from one of the passing traffic citation issuers that uh, run around doing that stuff. Anyway, everyamp.com slash RTL. 
that's the place to get your snap plate. Next up is budgetsafesolar.com. You know, I was I was walking Daisy today and I was thinking about this like I'm uh, I'm now like having more fun with my solar panels from Budget Safe Solar in the sense that I mean it's all a matter of perspective that I happen to have them activated during the middle of winter. During so they they got turned on in early February and so Basically, what I was getting then, the solar it was generating then, was about the lowest amount of solar it's going to generate for the entire year. And sure enough, now that spring is upon us, this coming week is spring, and we've finally started to have some sunnier, warmer days here, although more rain is coming this weekend, so we'll see how that goes. But it's been really fun to watch my solar production go up. Like, I'll give you just this this past week. Monday, 20.1 kilowatt hours. Now I know there's you have no context for this because you don't know how big my house is or any of that stuff, but you can just see the progression. 20 kilowatt hours. Uh, then cloudy, rainy day, Tuesday, 11.9. But then Wednesday, a little better, 23.2, 23.5 yesterday. And today, 23.9. So, uh, and, and before that, if I were to go back further, into back into February, it was down in the teens generally for the, even on a sunny day, it would be in the teens. So it's been really fun watching the number go up. And again, we're still in mid-March, not officially spring. When it's summer, it's going to be really neat to watch. In fact, I've been, I, I logged in, I've been logging in frequently to my utility company's website into my account where it shows you your daily usage, it'll, it, it plots it out on a, on a bar graph, line graph, and it'll show you like, okay, you know, on this day, you, you, you consumed from the grid this much, and it'll, there's a green bar that goes below the, the x-axis if you've, you know, put energy back into the grid, and it's starting, you can see it starting to go. Like, I'm, I, there was a day, it was, it was the Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, I, I got, I had a bill of $0.00 from the utility company, and that includes natural gas. So the, the electricity generated from the solar offset, even the whatever gas, natural gas we use that day. And it's just going to keep going as the weather gets warmer and as we head into spring and then summer. So that's been really cool to monitor and keep an eye on. So anyway, if you are interested in solar, you're going to check out Tesla. I did, certainly. But if Tesla doesn't work out for you for whatever reason, I humbly suggest that you give BudgetSafeSolar.com a look. Reach out to them and see uh, this, whatever system they draw up for you. Maybe it's going to be something that works really well for you. So give them a, give them a, a look. Check them out. And if it, if it works out for you, use the referral code RTL as you proceed with your solar installation for your home and or business. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections. If you're going to be or are here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area and you want to treat your car to a spa day, there's no better place to go than Immaculate Reflections. The website is irdetailing.com. If you uh, reach out and book in any service, which again, you can reach out through the website, irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener 
and there will be a nice little discount waiting for you, which I appreciate that Immaculate Reflections does. Whether it's paint correction, paint protection film, ceramic coating, a couple of those, all of those, whatever you want to do, Immaculate Reflections will have your car looking awesome. I promise you that. IRDetailing.com. Again, don't forget to mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener to get that discount. Speaking of good stuff, puretesla.com slash RTL, the good stuff they carry is their micro SD-based, very reliable dash cam and sentry mode setups. Check it out. 128 gigabyte kit is just $49, shipped free anywhere in the US. The 256 gigabyte version, if you want to step up and get a little more storage, that's $69. That's also shipped free anywhere in the US. Uh, Works with Mac or PC, obviously. It comes fully formatted, ready to go right out of the package. Just open it up, plug it into your car, and you're good to go. You are protected by that dash cam and sentry mode footage. Don't forget, they also have a nice, slim, low-profile wireless game controller kit if that's of interest for your Tesla as well. Get all of it at puretesla.com slash RTL. And lastly, the Patreon. I mentioned it at the top, but again, a, a quick word. Patreon is the way through which you can voluntarily choose to support my efforts here on the podcast. The website is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month. And for that five bucks a month, you'll not only be supporting me, which uh, hopefully makes you feel good, makes me feel good for sure, and feel humbled and grateful, but you will also, as a bonus, get early access to each week's podcast. That $10 a month tier gets you, as I mentioned at the top, the early access and that weekly bonus mini episode that I call The Lightning Round. And the perks go up from there, including the Maximum Plaid Roadster in Space, uh, which I'll I'll be uh, shouting out those people here in just a moment as well. But that's how the podcast is supported. It's by you guys, the listeners. It'll always be free for you every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. But if you see it in your heart, to support me, that's the way to do it. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Uh, if you're not already following slash subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast service, be sure to do that so that the show gets pushed out to you every time there's a new episode on every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. I am on all the major podcast services. At least I think it's all the major ones. Apple Podcasts seems to be where most of you get it. I'm also on Google Podcasts, I'm on Stitcher, I'm on TuneIn and Spotify, which are both natively available in your Tesla, and then I'm also on YouTube, but in audio-only form. There's just a logo for the video, that's all it is, but if that's the way you'd prefer to listen with a tab open on YouTube, go for it. Uh, Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you should find me easily enough and can subscribe to the channel from there. Uh, Follow me on Twitter and or Instagram, same handle on both, DMC underscore Ryan. My email address, as I mentioned earlier today, is teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, let me give that shout out and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. Thank you so much uh, to the, I'll start with the Maximum Plaid crew because we've got a new one. 
I, unless it's, this is new from last week and I didn't update my notes. Either way, you're getting the first shout out. Travis Krenzel, up, he upgraded very kindly from plaid to maximum plaid. So Travis Krenzel, thank you so much. And then the rest of the maximum plaid backers, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoie, ContactOneCallCenter.com, and Jason Chalukas. Thanks to all of you very much for your support. And then the grandfathered-in Plaid-level supporters, those folks kind enough to continue pledging at the Plaid tier, even though it's technically been uh, eliminated, but as long as they are kind enough to continue that support, I am happy to continue to give them all the perks and benefits that they are entitled to. So thank you to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla owners club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. And finally, an extra big thank you goes out to the Roadster in Space tier backers. I'm going to be chatting with one of them this weekend because their perk on top of all the other perks is a monthly one-on-one hangout with me if they elect to take it each month. And this, uh, this weekend, I'll be chatting with Tesla Hitchhiker 42, who I always look forward to talking to. Uh, so thank you to Tesla Hitchhiker 42, along with Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, and Kara Weston. Thanks to all of you at any Patreon tier for your very kind and generous support. That is what keeps this podcast going. It is listener supported. Uh, And with that, that brings me to the end of Ride the Lightning episode 398. It has been another fun week of Tesla news for two snoozing puppos here for, yeah, Daisy is just sprawled out on the couch. Zelina, a little more dog-like down on the dog bed on the floor. Anyway, they're ready for bed. Uh, I'm going to be ready for bed soon as well. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you all so much for your time, for your attention, for your kindness in listening. I sincerely appreciate it. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you back here next week.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. 